Welcome back, everybody, to the Global Gamers Podcast. We're continuing with our our haunted October tonight. Yeah, how of the how of the ghosts of uh, Halloween pr- past, present, and future been treating you so far, Ed? This month, <clears throat> um, pretty good. I mean, before I do any storytelling, I will just give the quick uh, caveat that I have some kind of cough, so. <clears throat> excuse me if there's a little bit of that in this episode i will try to speak less which may actually be difficult to do because we're covering a game that i've played way more than you have today yeah um we'll make it work, but though. just to the the little quick answer to your question about the ghosts is that i also just got back from a trip to england yeah, uh, so right. we actually haven't recorded in a few weeks this is our first recording in a while because we did a lot of planning on the front end exactly um but i definitely went to some haunted places around london Ooh. and cambridge and the norfolk coast nice so including the tower of london which is one of my favorite places on earth uh lots of awesome great ghost stories and tragedies in those walls um you know yeah, countryside no, estates no, no cambridge university as old as it is um Highgate Cemetery. Yeah, mm-hmm. great, great, great time to do all of that. <coughs> that reminds me, you mentioning the Tower of London reminds me, I uh, I meant to tell you this the other day when we were playing a game in person, but I had mm-hmm. my own little uh, English history lesson of sorts when I was in New York a couple weekends ago uh, uh, and went to go see uh, the West End uh, Broadway import six about Henry the eight's wives. I've heard of it. What do you think of that? Um, it, it was very interesting. The music was very fun. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was, it was a fun, entertaining show. It wasn't quite what I've, I expected, I've heard but... one or two of the songs and I was, um, somewhat impressed with the level of detail in the lyrics. Yeah. But at the same time, I I don't think that I could ever put those songs on and listen to them because I would probably go nuts. Yeah, because they're kind of annoying. I mean, there's yeah, there's a lot going on, and they kind of lean into the like snarky, funny pop side of things. Um, yeah. So I think once was enough, but I'm glad I went. That's what I'll say. Um, cool. But not to not to dredge up too many conversations about ghosts despite the season because today we really want to talk about a different kind of halloween specter and that is monsters because today we are reviewing a 2019 game a set collection game called carnival of monsters and this is a card drafting game that basically lets you build a your own personal menagerie of like various like monstrous and mythical creatures. Do you, yeah. Is that it's a very fair elemental. way to put it? Yeah, very elemental. elemental monsters. Like you have, yeah, you know, the water ones and the forest ones and the sky ones. Yes, the darkness. Yeah, etc. Yeah, um, and yeah. So- yeah, and so, um, like I said, it's a 2019 game. 
Uh, it is designed by Richard Garfield. And there are a whole slew of artists that are credited for this one. Um, so I'll just yeah. name a couple of them. We've got Loic Bilio, Martin Hoffman, Dennis Lahazen, Michael Menzel, a few others. Those are the first ones that come up on the BGG page. Um, mm-hmm. And this is published by a variety of different places, but Amigo, Amigo is yeah, the Amigo main is one, the right? One. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. A fun fact, I don't know if you know this about Richard Garfield, but he is most famous for being the designer of Magic the Gathering. Ah, and I yeah, did not and a lot make of the artists, okay, a lot of the artists who worked on this game also illustrate Magic the Gathering cards. So, oh, that's of, so fun! Yeah, carry over on that front. That's really cool. Um, I didn't know that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I mean, well, that's what he's most known for. I mean, he's also designed a lot of other games, so this is kind yeah. of just a drop in the bucket for him. Yeah, but like it fits with our theme so well, and you know. I was thinking about it. We haven't done a ton of set collection game reviews. So Mm-mm. yeah, it's kind of fun to to jump into that a little bit. But and this is also our first um like fully card drafting game as well, right? Yeah, I mean I would I would say so because um I mean that's kind of just a you know a, a, an appetizer or a, a you know kind of like a a uh, I guess a side, like a, a side kick piece of the, um, you know, blood rage. This is definitely yeah. the most front and center uh, drafting we've had from what yeah. I recall. Um, Yeah. And on the board game geek page, it says that this has a 7.3, mm-hmm. which is pretty, pretty respectable. That's fine. Yeah. Um, Complexity two point one four, two to five players. Yep. Yeah, forty five minute playtime. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I I don't have too much more to say. the The artwork, as you said, is pretty cool and a lot of different elemental monsters. But um, yeah, I figure we can just kind of cut to the chase. Do you want to give us uh, a little rundown on some of the basics of the rules? Yeah, basically what you're trying to do in this game is that you are, there's a royal monstrological society and all the players are vying for the one opening that is available to a new member. And so you are each trying to hunt monsters and have the most impressive menagerie to show off at the end of four rounds. Mm -hmm. So I will say that, uh, the four round thing, we'll get back to that, but it's the thing that I disagree. I think it's the biggest weakness with this game, but we'll come back to that. Yeah, Basically, yeah, hold that thought. The four, <laughs> the four rounds, each round, each player is given a card of eight hands from a big deck, mm-hmm. and you draft where you take one, pass the remaining seven, then they pass it back until two, the hands are gone. And every time you take a card, you can do one of two things. Option one is you can play it, option two is you can keep it. If you play it, um, you have to be able to just play it directly into your tableau for that round. 
mm-hmm. you keep it, you have to pay a coin and you can keep it for later on when you can afford to play it. So for example, some of the higher level monsters require you to have built up a certain amount of that type of land in order to play it first. Right. Um, you want to keep secret goals that are end game scoring cards, or you can keep bigger, what they call distant lands that are pieces of land that are worth a ton um, of land space to put monsters on, but you can't play them until you have a certain amount of land of that type built up already. Yeah. You've got to kind of ladder up to it. Yeah. And then there is also staff that you can hire that, you know, will give you additional bonuses for recruiting certain types of monsters or certain discounts or additional benefits. And then they're just event cards that are one time benefits like, um, coins or you know immediate scoring points or monster hunter tokens which you know i'll describe what those do but basically that's what the whole deck is made up of most of what you're doing is just playing land to play monsters on that land and keep a few secret goal cards as well yeah um do you... and each each of the four rounds is devoted to a certain season yeah so there's seven seasons that you could have in play each game, if you're playing this by the standard rules, you'll have four of those seasons in place. So that creates a bit of randomness or asymmetry, however you prefer to look at it. And the seasons correspond to the land type slash monster types, correct? Yes, with the exception of one of them is the danger season, right. which is just referring to um, some of the monsters are dangerous, and that is marked by a kind of scary red face on them. And it basically means that if you cannot resolve the danger on them before the season ends, you take a penalty. So you need to be able to um, have a certain number of hunter tokens, one hunter symbol per da- <coughs> per danger symbol on your monsters, or you can pay money as a penalty if you don't have enough. And if you ever run out of money for any reason, you take out loans Right. which will penalize you at points at the end of the game, kind of like a debt. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's basically what you're trying to do. So what ends up happening is there's a little bit of, you know, you try to plan as best you can and hope that certain cards come out of the deck that you need. So yeah. There's a bit of randomness. Sometimes you also might want to specialize and develop, you know, maybe I'm going to go heavy on, forest and caves this time because the monsters that i've saved up are the big ones of that type um whereas you know maybe darklands isn't my thing right um yeah but i it's pretty it's a pretty straightforward game the 2.14 rating is pretty right and even though it's a big deck of cards there's a lot of repeats and yeah there's a certain like predictability after a while that you're just like okay there's just a bunch of level one and level two monsters of each elemental type and then a couple (laughs) couple level threes and one level four right just worth more and more points so more and more dangerous the higher level they are so the lower the point total of the monsters the more (laughs) common the card is essentially yeah um could you just talk a little bit about how scoring works yes it's like a point salad scoring situation so you're going to get points for the base value of the monsters in your menagerie plus the secret goal cards that you have right your extra um 
coins are a point each. The any leftover hunter tokens you have count the same as a coin, although most of the time you probably won't have any. Um, each of the seasons that you won by having you know the most of that type of monster that season will give you um, three points per season, which is not a huge thing, but it's something. Right. Um, and then you will minus any penalties that you had from debts. Yeah. So it's just. Yeah, but the bulk of your points will straight up come from your monsters and secret goals. Yeah. Everything else is kind of just... Um, Supplemental. Window dressing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, it would be negligent of me not to say that um, this is a very important and nostalgic game for me personally. Oh, yeah. Um, This is one of the longest uh, housed games in my collection. And I got it, as you mentioned, this came out in 2019. And (coughs) I got it um, around Christmas that um, 2019. And during the early months of the COVID pandemic, this game was the game that me and one of our fl- friends who lived in my building at the time, we played it constantly because it was a really good and easy, quick two-player game, low stress. We could play three or four <coughs> games a night. And because yeah. there's nothing else really to do and nowhere to go, we would play it probably like four nights a week. So it's, it's quite possible is... you are like the... <coughs> mo- you You and this friend are the most like well-versed people in this game in the greater think, dmv region i i would expand it beyond that um, yeah <laughs> but yeah because like it's not a particularly popular game like you don't really see anything about it there's no expansions it's yeah. not even in the top 1000 of all time um and <clears throat> you know the longer i've been in this hobby and the more games i've gotten since the more i am able to objectively say that you know this is not in my top 10 anymore whereas like a few years ago it would have been like maybe in my number one spot sure. but i just have such a soft spot for this game it's still fun to play and every now fun. and then yeah it is a really it is fun one. um Absolutely. but yeah and i would also just say this is i know this is a fact this is my most played game of any game now and it's not even close because well, when you think when about did it, you, when did you start keeping track of that? Right. So, I have like I log all my plays now in an app on my phone, but I still know this to be true because that 2020, 2021 period, I can guarantee you that I have played this game over two hundred times. <laughs> because yeah. what our friend and I did was we realized that we were when you think about it if you're playing like two or three games a night <coughs> that and like you're doing that every week three or four nights a week <laughs> for months at a time it adds we up. quickly realized that we were um like burning through the score pad so we stopped using the score pad and I just started like making a grid on notebook paper and I have probably a dozen pages double-sided of like <laughs> notebook paper. Yeah. Um put in the time. In in the box. And each 
um, side of each sheet probably has over a dozen plays in it. Yeah. And we were playing so much that we made a pact that whoever won the most games would have to buy the other person dinner at the end of the pandemic. And we eventually just gave up because like we kind of never really had a set end date of how to judge that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we just kind of kept playing it until it gradually kind of fizzled out or like integrated with other games that we've grown to play more often, more recently. Right. right. But yeah, I kind of wish I was logging my plays back then, or if I wanted to, I could retroactively go through all those pages and, you know, you should, digitize. <clears throat> it it would be disgusting. <laughs> it yeah. would it would throw off your uh no it's it's your at BGG the point where, like, Spotify playlist, so to speak. It really would. It would <laughs> it would break everything. It was at the point where like it, the two of us playing it, me and her, um, we could get a game down in probably twenty to twenty five minutes. Yeah. And that was with breaking the four round rule and playing with all seven seasons instead. It was at the point where like I just, I had every card in the deck memorized. Like, I could look at it and know exactly what its value was, how many of them are in the deck, when to play it. Like, there's no other game that I played this much. Yeah. Um, Yeah, what's what's your experience been? Because you've only played it with me, but you obviously have not played it (laughs) nearly as much. I mean, yeah, I haven't played it nearly as much, and... It's, I enjoy the game. Uh, probably my experience of it has been somewhat shadowed by the fact that I've only played with the two of you. And so I don't know if I've ever won. Yeah, it's, it's tough. If it, you I feel like I can't, who... I feel like I can't beat either of you at it, but it's, it's still, it's a like when time. I played Dominion with you. Yeah. Yeah. A little <laughs> bit, a little bit or Splendor maybe. Um, yeah. but but no, yeah, it's it's an enjoyable one. So, I mean, and you have set the the groundwork here of like what this game's all about really well. Is there anything else you wanted to add on that front? Um, no, I'm down to get into our discussion questions. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, should we get into some uh, just strategic observations and? Uh, tips for folks that are thinking of checking this game out yes um i do want to just say though one thing that is going to affect my answer to this well actually yours as well because you've played by my rules because you've played with me is that anytime i play this game and everybody i played it with agrees nobody likes the actual rules of playing only four of the seasons and uh-huh. so we always play all seven. Right. What that means on the plus side is that it, you know, it makes the game a little bit longer. It makes it more even me- though. Right. And it means that there's less randomness or less wasted yes. built up infrastructure or not knowing what's going to come out of the deck. On the downside, which I think is a relatively down- small downside, it means that some of the point balancing is a little bit out of whack because you get like Much massive scores. Point- yeah. Massive point yeah. inflation particularly for the end game scoring goals and for the number of monsters you're able to play. But it right. means that some of the like lower scoring end game goals or the number of points you get from coins or from, um, you know, winning a season is much lower relatively, but it just, it's fine. It just means that you adjust your strategy accordingly. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, for sure. So, and one question I have on that is, <laughs> I mean, you mentioned the the evening out part. Um, how much mm-hmm. of the, that do you think? I'm sure that comes into play at any player count, but do you think it's the original rules that balance thing is more exacerbated at lower player counts, especially two player? I mean, we can get into that more. No, in. I think it, it doesn't. I don't think the player count affects okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just there's no other game that I play where I play with such dramatic house rules as this. It's kind of hard to um, talk about actual strategy because that's fair. dare I say that like I don't even play the game, you know, properly as it's supposed to be played. But <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's a good lesson in um. You know, at the end of the day, when you buy a game, it's your game. And if there's certain rules that don't work for you or certain things you want to omit or add. Yeah. As long as everyone's fine with it, you know, give it a try. Why not? Yeah. As long as everybody's okay with it and everyone knows from the get go. That's the main thing. Yeah. But just to um, answer the question properly for people who do want to stick by the rules of this one. um, My strategy would be. Particularly if you're only playing with four rounds, don't save up too many high value monsters because yeah. you won't get the time to play them. There is a little bit of balance with that because part of the drafting is there's hate drafting where you want to, you know, take something so that your opponents don't get it instead. Because you know um, what they're building towards. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, like there's only one level four monster of each type in the whole deck. So if it shows up, you know, you're not going to see it again. Um, but, you know, just learn to say no. That's uh, something that I've said for similar games. Yeah. That's my main piece of advice. Yeah. What about you? Well, honestly, I'm a bit reticent to even offer advice on this one just because I have played it less frequently and, like, um, you know, routinely get trounced by, <laughs> by you in it. Um, one thing that I – you can probably tell – listeners if i'm right about this more than i can but i get the sense that one of the shortcomings i have had in the past when i've played this game is that i haven't paid enough attention to like the hiring cards and the things that kind of like give you a little bit of like an almost yeah engine boosting boost the staff staff are awesome i always like very rarely will I pass up the opportunity to hire someone unless it's a late game and it's kind of too late. But early game, I will pretty much always hire the staff, even if it means taking out a loan to do so. Yeah. So, yeah, taking out a loan to do so. Especially if you're playing all seven rounds because then you have more time for them to pay you back. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because when you play with all the rounds, the staff becomes even more valuable in that sense. So... Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, that's why I don't understand the whole four season thing. Because also, it's not—it's still not a very long game if you play all seven seasons. So, Richard Garfield, I don't know, man. Um. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, anything else you would add on the on the strategy strategy front? No, I'm I'm down to go right into best and worst. Cool. Um. Sounds good. Yeah. So best thing I would say about this game, it's such a 
such an easy like quick game if you know what you're doing that like you can just it just it feels more like a card game than anything else where it's just like yeah i'm taking this you're taking that i'm taking this you're taking that and you're like building up a good amount of strategy without really having to pay too much attention so it's the kind of game that you can get through multiple rounds in a night and that it rewards um repeat playing because the more you know the deck and the flow of the game the cooler um the strategies you can come up with and the way you can know how you want to play it yeah um which is fun and it has a lot of similarities with a lot of these like midweight um set collection engine building games that we've talked about in the past like i'm thinking a lot about um nita valera right now yeah 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 um the other thing is just the artwork for this game is so so good it is honestly i mean again like they you um richard garfield got you know some of those magic the gathering collaborators in on this yeah and it really shows just this um it might still be in my top five like best artwork in a game period like i don't know pretty impressive um yeah i don't know another game that does high fantasy monsters better than this and i'm i'm even thinking of dwellings of elder vale and i think that's the, the one i was is, gonna bring up yeah i still i the think the style is the style similar it's similar but dwellings of elder vale it's a little bit more simplistic it's a little bit more like digital drawn on a tablet you can kind of tell yeah a little bit more cartoony whereas some of the artwork in this it is so detailed um and it's it's stunning and there's also like this very um lovecraftian horror element to it as well with the dreamlands yeah. monsters that are kind of from this chaos world and the darklands monsters are like very creepy yeah um yeah just the elemental vibe to it it's definitely i think a step above dwellings of eldervale yeah um yeah it's so cool like i i have tried to look up some of these artists in the past to follow them on instagram just because i've thought that their stuff was so cool it's honestly it's unfortunately been kind of difficult to find many of them having a public presence online um i think part of that might be that they might be a little bit older in general because they've worked on i see magic the gathering for so long but um yeah high praise for sure and the box the box kind of doesn't do it justice because it doesn't yeah, the, super the well box, showcase the box the flies under the radar it. for sure. <clears throat> what about you? What stands out to you? Honestly, um, it's pretty simple for me. Just the, and we've already talked about it. Just the the fact that the that the drafting is such a core element of the game, and like so much of your success hinges on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it really appeals to me. Like, just because I feel like a lot of games that have drafting in it, it's um, well, I mean, it's a pretty pretty crucial part of blo- a game like Blood Rage too. But like, I feel like because it's the main attraction, you've got less margin for error, so it just makes it feel like the decisions you're making have more weight behind them. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's kind of strange that um, 
I don't know about you, but I've never played Seven Wonders. No, I and, haven't either. We've got to get yeah, that and in. We should, in at some and because point. Seven Wonders is often the closest parallel mm-hmm. to this game, and I think part of why maybe this game didn't take off as much as it could have is because Seven Wonders is such a classic and you know has been republished recently with like upgraded design and it has expansions so that's a big draw yeah and then also 2019 was also the year that it's a wonderful world was released and i recently got that game and it is very good i've only played it once so far but it is another card drafting and engine building game yeah um I don't know if I would say yet whether I prefer it over Carnival of Monsters. I'd have to play it more to know, and there's obviously the nostalgia factor. And then I mean, you'd have it... to play it 200 times to know for sure. <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> not. But and also, it's a wonderful world. Is it's an ugly game, so that's always going to be a little bit of a knock from me. Yeah. Um. But but again, like it was very highly regarded. And I think that because these two things came out so close to each other only one of them really um, caught on, especially as, you know, right. as the big rival to Seven Wonders. And I think that unfortunately, um, and for a good reason that we've alluded to already, Carnival of Monsters was the one that kind of got squeezed out. Yeah. I mean, well. leads to worse things. <laughs> well, part of it too is like, I mean, am I? do I have these dates right? If Carnival of Monsters came out in 2019, Seven Wonders had already been out for 10 years at that point. Yeah, yeah. So and had multiple mo- expansions. First, so first mover advantage plays in mm-hmm. here too. And Seven Wonders also has Seven Wonders Duel, which is a yes. really good two-player yes. um, variant on card drafting, which is where some of these other games struggle as well. Yeah. Um, so, like, Carnival of Monsters has a two-player mode in the book, but it's terrible, so we never use the rules from it. Yeah. All good um, points. Yeah. So, the worst thing, I feel like there's no way around it. We've kind of talked about it already, but it's the rules about there only being four seasons per game. Oh, yeah. When there could be seven. As I've said, like, for me, that that version of this game, it's not that it's unplayable. It's just that I don't want to play it. And the score that I would give this game is significantly lower if I were to play it that way. But at the end of the day, those are the actual rules that most people are going to play it by. Because, you know. Right. Not everybody's going to make up house rules. And I myself don't make up these kinds of house rules for other games. So maybe this game is just benefiting from the kind of novice entry point i was at when i first picked it up um that's yeah but again the main reason for that is i think it just it cuts the game off at its legs too early it increases the randomness it makes it kind of disappointing when you've you know built up an engine that is waiting for a certain type of card to come out of the deck or a certain season to come into play and that never comes yeah um yeah, whereas if you play with all seven seasons, you're going to get through most of, if not all of the deck, um, depending on player right. count. Part of, the pro- part of the problem with the seven seasons is that actually if you play with um, more than three people, you're going to burn through the whole deck every time. So like, you maybe shouldn't play with seven seasons if you have more than three people involved. 
But I mean, but at, the, at that point, trade-offs. at that point, couldn't you just take out the like the danger season? No, actually, what we do um, is we combine the last two seasons into one. So it'll be like uh, it is depths and a forest season. This that's round. smart. So you'll have you'll have yeah. six rounds instead of one, but you'll still get the chance to win all seven seasons. So, yeah, I mean, just thinking out loud, it seems like one other potential way around it. I mean, I think the way that you've devised is more elegant because what I'm, what I have in mind here would require more changing of the rules. But like, if there had been some sort of mechanism for allowing you to recoup the value of cards that don't have a season come up if you're playing the four season version, like to be able yeah. to use. Well, the thing is, that's not the big problem. The big problem isn't because again, like winning a season only gives you three points. The bigger problem is that if you built up a bunch of and then the land big monster of a certain type comes exactly, up. yeah, or like the secret goal that benefits what you're excelling at doesn't come out of the deck, but someone else got theirs. You know, yeah. there's no way to mitigate against that. That's True. honestly, I think, the bigger problem. It's just yeah. not going through the whole deck, especially with the way the deck is designed um, to be, like, very... It's a lot of the same card over and over, just different variations on it for yeah. the different types. So if some of them show, show up and some of them don't, it's not a very even game. The yeah. better suggestion I've seen... Um, this game doesn't do it, and I don't think you could do it in this game, but I think other games do things like this. Actually, I think Seven Wonders has something like this, where you have different decks that you introduce at different phases of the game. De- so you have Depending uh, like, on, like, which... <coughs> okay, okay. So you'd have, like, a level 1 deck, a level 2 deck, a level 3 deck. So you don't have to worry about the big monsters coming in in uh... round 1. Kind of like know? Blood so like, Rage. It, yes, yes. Yeah. So like you can kind of um so you can kind of ease into the game. Right. And not have the deck just kind of overstuffed with things that are not going to be useful yeah. for a big chunk of the playtime. Yeah, but, I get what you're yeah. saying. But that's not the way that this particular game is designed. Yeah. Cool. Um, there are no expansions to talk about. Uh, closest thing that we can talk about is actually there's another game in this universe, um, Monster Expedition. Uh-huh. It is published by Amigo, but it was not designed by Richard Garfield. Um, <coughs> I believe it was designed by Alexander Pfister. Was it? Um, was it designed with like the same mechanics and like universe in mind? Yeah, it's it's in it says on the box it's like a Carnival of Monsters sequel or a Carnival of Monsters universe game. Uh-huh. Um the box has a similar look, but it's a it's a different game in that it's more dice based. Yeah. Have you played this one? <laughs> yeah, I actually I used to own it and then I got rid of it. Okay. It's okay. It's fine. It just it's not as good. Okay. Um it didn't justify its existence on my shelf because alongside the other. The, yeah. The main reason I got it was because I was like, Oh, another game in monsters universe. And at the time monsters was such a big deal. Um, but it was, it was okay. It's not a bad game. It's just, eh, I didn't need to have it. Fair. Yeah. 
And as far as I know, there are no plans to expand or revisit this game. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hmm, anything else to cover before we get to final scores? I don't think so. Okay. Well, you first. Yeah. I think I think I'll I think I think for me Carnival of Monsters is a is a seven. And I think it's I think it's a it's a very fu- it's a very fun game for what it is, simple set collection. Um I have to dock it a little bit for some of the, you know, rules things that you've already mentioned. And um if I'm being fully transparent, probably, you know, my personal experience playing that the the game is weighing it down perhaps a bit too uh unconsciously. Um but yeah, I think the other part of it is too, like, I mean, I did mention that I really liked, at least in theory, the idea of the drafting being the main mechanism of a game, but the you know, after a few plays it does feel a little thin to me. Um and so I think you're gonna really like It's a Wonderful World. Yeah. Because it's a little bit more Well, the grounded. other the other game I was gonna bring up is the one you mentioned, Nita Valir, where, you know, you're mm-hmm. all, you're also essentially drafting cards. Um, but you've got the added calculus of like whether you're gonna upgrade your coins or not on every turn. So yeah. there's just a little bit more to juggle in a way that Yeah. I I just kind of like grabbed me a little more. Um how about you? I am going to go with a 7.5. So, you know, I think that's a very honest response because sure, despite yeah. my nostalgia and I'm very grateful to this game for being uh, $30 well spent. Yeah. <laughs> um, got me through a pandemic when there wasn't that much else on my shelf. And, yeah. you know, I can give it a lot of credit for cementing my interest in this hobby. Um. Because it was from this that I then, you know, looked up what are some what are good two player games during the middle of the pandemic, and I went and I bought um, Photosynthesis and Wingspan and Legends yeah. of Andor, and you know, across those three games, I learned which one I love, which one I think is just okay, and which one I hated. <laughs> we'll yeah. spoil it right now but yeah. it was but like it's because i enjoyed this game so much and wanted to like keep trying new things that i then branched out and now look at what we're doing yeah. so i give carnival of monsters a lot of credit for that yeah for sure is it a per is it a perfect game not at all what it is deeply flawed in many ways and having to play it with significant house rules is you know a big part of that and just ignoring some of the balance issues that creates but it's a lot of fun and i know it's not just me because i have gotten so many people to buy this game like the friend that played with me all the time she bought it for her brother-in-law both of my sisters bought this game Mm -hmm. and one of them i know plays it almost as intensely as i do yeah, I got a friend who now lives in St. Louis to buy this game. Yeah. I got another friend who also lives in DC to buy this game. Yeah, um, so you should be working some... on commission, Ed. 
I know, like, there's <laughs> something really good and really appealing in this. I don't know if it's what most people already were hooked on with Seven Wonders and this just came too late, or if there's just, you know, some kind of DNA in this that Richard Garfield could, if he wanted to in his busy, successful schedule, go back and maybe do a second edition with some rule tweaks um, yeah. and polishes, and that would really make it, you know, a, a top-level game. But so this is definitely not leaving my collection. So um, forgive me if I missed this at the top, but did you mention what it was about this game that got you to buy it in the first place? Because you said this was one of your first games in your collection. What drew you to yeah, it? Yeah, I actually, so I went to our local store, Labyrinth, and I was actually going to do some Christmas shopping um, for other people. And I had no intention of buying something for myself, but I saw it and at this point, like the two main games in my collection at the time were Small World and Betrayal at House on the Hill. Uh-huh. And I saw the box and I was like, oh, cool fantasy monsters. That looks cool. Um, looked at the back and read the description. I was like, hey, this seems like fun. Um, I don't know. Give it a shot. I'm trying to remember if there was anything that like I thought it reminded me of specifically gameplay wise. I don't think so. It just seemed fun. And again, like it was pretty cheap. Mm -hmm. So gave it a shot was completely confused and didn't think it was anything special the first time and then gave it another try and and really cracked the code. And yeah, it made some real changes of my own and the rest yeah. is history. So, I mean, but I, but I think that, your experience here really points to the uh, makes a strong case for, you know, whether you're buying a game blind or playing a new game blind at like a open game night at a game store. Like I've thought about that recently. It, Part of me it, kind it, of it's it helps you find things you wouldn't find otherwise. Yeah. Part of me kind of. I don't want to I don't want to say regrets, but like is a little bit sad that I know the industry as well as i do at this point where like i have a sense of what's on the top 100 what are the hot new up-and-coming games that are going to be released soon because now when i walk into a game store there are very few things that i see that i haven't already looked up or that i haven't seen in passing or at least recognize the box you know whereas it used to be that i would just see something and be like whoa what is that that just looks really cool let me go check it out, um, which is exciting. And it's the same kind of feeling I have when I go into like a bookstore or something. Yeah. Um, but on the plus side, I will say that I think overall it's better to go in informed when you're going to spend money on things. And there have yes. been many, many duds that I have oh, purchased yes. and, and that's, gotten rid of because I, of how they looked. Yes. And that's, um, and that's why I say like, if you are going to do this, it's probably better to do it at, at like, a board game cafe or somewhere where you can play it first before you buy it. Yes. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And let the element of the surprise just be what we put in your podcast feed every week. Yeah. Not what you spend your money on. <laughs> Cause we don't exactly. charge you anything. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Um, well, that's carnival of monsters and uh, that's our fourth October episode. So we yeah, have we one are... left because we've been graced with five Tuesdays. Yeah, the, the that we ca have to cover. 
yeah the the calendar gods really smiled on us this uh this october we're lucky to get that fifth fifth weekend yeah um and we will be getting spooky good and proper for october 31st